That cry is canceled by the blood of Jesus. And as it tells us in Hebrews, speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried out, justice must be done. The blood of Jesus speaks mercy even to the guilty, hell-bound soul that needs peace with God. Is there any of us here today that is not free from the guilt of murder? Have we not had murderous thoughts, anger, scheming, plotting of mind for the downfall of someone? Do we not all need the cleansing power of Jesus' blood? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining with us. And we're on the program to bring you the message of the gospel, of course. And we're dealing with the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. What an awful thing to take human life, to send out into eternity the mystery of the human frame and soul. And of course, this is the thing that many forget, that man is more than just body. We are body and soul. In the very act of creation, God is made in the likeness of God in his image. Man that is given intelligence, holiness, and righteousness, that he is a moral being with the uh, faculties that enable man to worship and commune with God. Those faculties that were never given to other beasts or creatures, but to man they are specific. And so to take life is really to take the throne of God, and we are warned against that. And today we'll be dealing with that as we get to our message here on Thou shalt not kill the sixth commandment. We have a song today, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And of course, we're inviting the Lord to be amongst us and to minister to our hearts as we have our program here today. Now we turn to the book of Romans again, to the issues of this wrath that will be poured out upon the ungodly. I wonder when is the last time you heard a sermon on the wrath of God against the wicked? I'm reminded of Jonathan Edwards' sermon on sinners in the hands of an angry God. And it was that sermon that prompted and preempted the revival that came when God, by his Spirit, brought people to an awakened state of their danger and their need of God's salvation. The tragedy of modern ministries today is that the wrath of God is so little preached. And yet here in the book of Romans, this, this book of the exposition of the gospel, the gospel of mercy is presented with the backdrop of God's anger and wrath against all sin, sin of all kinds, whether it's the sin of Jew or the sin of Gentiles. God is angry, and God is filled with wrath against all unrighteousness. And then the apostle deals with the light of creation, the conscience that God gives, and the revelation that God gives to men that they might know there is a God 
that there is right and wrong, but men turn away from it. They become reprobate. They uh, rebel against the light and the truth, suppressing it, and they bring themselves into God's total condemnation. And I want you to notice how Romans chapter 2, verse 1 commences. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth, according to them which commit such things. And so here is the warning. Thou art inexcusable. Men who are in God's world, men who breathe the breath that God gives them, men who are given a conscience to be told right and wrong, men who stand in God's presence with all the light of arguing and pointing that God exists, and yet men say that there is no God, no judgment. Well, that's to fly in the face of God and bring yourself into an inexcusable position. And I I bid you today to flee to the Lord and turn to him from your sin and seek the way of mercy by the blood of the cross. And that's how we understand the cross work of Jesus, that he took our wrath, he bore the punishment that we might be saved. Now we turn to the hymn, Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing. joyfulness, your quietness, your contentedness, and all these things that are listed here will encourage your wife. It will build her up. It will help her through all her cares and troubles and needs of life. 
charitable thoughts, love, compassion, meekness, gentleness, kindness, peaceable, mild and courteous speeches and behavior. If you speak to your wife in a horrible, hateful tone of voice, you're, you're murdering your wife. You get it? Do we get it? Sometimes we don't think in those terms. But this is what theologians, greater minds than I will ever, ever aspire to, greater minds have looked at the sixth commandment and they've said, this is what it means in positive real terms. The requirements of the sixth commandment is that you encourage, love, build up, and be a promoter of the welfare of wife, family, and all around you. Then readiness to be reconciled. Problems arise. Let's be realistic. Problems arise. And sometimes two people don't see things the same way. But if you're not a murderer, you'll want to be reconciled. You'll want to try and bring a solution. And you may not want to give in that you know, I think I'm right and I'm sticking with it. You don't want to give in. But, hey, let's, let's be reasonable and loving and caring, and let's see if we can, through time and over time, work this out. That's, that's willing to be reconciled. If you have to say sorry, say sorry. Sorry is a wonderful word in reconciling. It's a wonderful word. There are some men in this world, and they have never said sorry since they walked out on their mom and dad. They've never said sorry. They become murderers. Patient bearing and forgiving of injuries and requiting good for evil. Back to Matthew seven twelve, as you would have others do unto you, do unto them. And so if we, the requirements of the sixth commandment mean that we don't hurt, we don't pull down, but we would do to others as we would have them do to us. A comforting and succoring the distressed and protecting and defending the innocent. One of the practical outflows of this is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, where if a man builds a house and you've got a, a roof line that's way up there, uh, you put a railing around your house. And in those days, people actually used the rooftop. They tended to be flat roofs. And in hot evenings, you know how hot and stuffy it gets inside the house? the heat builds up, well, they would use the roof to go up in the dark, and they would bring their mattress up there and sleep in the cool air of the open outdoor on, the, on their rooftop. Safe, away from all the predators on the street level, but you need a railing. You're going to stumble off in the dark, put a railing up. And that was the responsibility of the person who built the house. If you talk to WCB today, they will tell contractors the same thing. If you're going to construct something, make sure your workers are not put at risk. Put railings around it. Even they're temporary till you get the building up. What about your medicine cabinet? Is there some teenager or some child in your home that's going to get inquisitive and look at this? What, what is that stuff? Let's taste it. And they get, you know, children can, it talks about child-proof caps. If you can't get it off, give it to your child, and they'll take it off for you. That's how they do it. And they'll get those pills. Boy, it tastes good. It's just like candies. We have to, we have to preserve life. Seat belt in our cars. 
Now, for years, we probably resisted the whole idea, but I think everybody knows we're safer with seatbelts. What about a gun? If you're a gun owner, do you just come in the door and put the gun in the corner, leave the ammunition in the barrel or around, and kids can get it or the stranger gets at it? Is it not right that there's a locker that you put it in and lock it up, keep it away from prying hands? Do we not get reports of children that are killed because they found dad's gun, shot themselves or some friend? They were just playing around with a gun. How do you live with yourself after that? Care for the poor and needy? Our Lord Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was the priest and the Levite walked on the other side of the road and didn't care. And the Good Samaritan, who wasn't even of that nationality, he cared, and the Lord commended him for it. We know in our city life, people can fall on the street, whether they faint or have a heart attack, and many people just walk on. Just step over the poor person in the street. Should we not care? Do we want to live in a society where people don't care? And we're certainly never to take life as cheap. We're not to promote things that cause people's death. Uh, and I thought of gladiator fighting back in the, the Roman days, and how they brought the, the poor guy that never fought anything in his life and had to face the gladiators, or the bullfighter. And of course, television companies, they make their millions out of these uh, bullfights, and the matador with a bull, and his life's in danger. You get gored with one of those horns, and your life's ended. And of course, the crowds come because so often blood is shed and life is taken. That's what brings the crowds. Thou shalt not kill. Imagine putting up a big billboard. Imagine getting a neon sign at a, at a bullfight. Thou shalt not kill. And I'm not talking about the bull. I, I don't think we should be into cruelty. But I'm not talking about the life of the bull. I'm talking about the matador. This thing has a, a very far-reaching. Now, my time's going very quickly, and, and I really don't want to have to cut this and preach the rest of it next week, but I do want to talk to you about soul murder. If it is evil and if it is absolutely wrong to kill the body, then it certainly is a great evil to kill the soul. There are some murders that are greater than others would have to say that the death of our Lord, crucified on the cross, condemned by Pilate, who knew that he was innocent, tried to wash that guilt away from his hands. Thou art the man, God will find him out. The Jews who said, His blood be on us. That's a terrible, terrible murder. Then there are people who trample upon the blood of Jesus. When the gospel is preached, when the way of salvation is presented, and people who take the cross work of Christ as a light thing, they just trample over the blood of Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, that's what you're doing. If you haven't surrendered your heart and life to the Lord Jesus as your Redeemer, and you've heard the gospel over and over, you're just trampling underfoot that blood of Jesus. And what are you doing? You're murdering your own soul. Now, there are many ways for murder of soul to take place. 
Preachers can murder souls by not preaching the gospel. Ezekiel 33, the gospel preacher is likened to the watchman that's set upon the walls. And while the city is asleep, he's to be on guard for the enemy coming. And if the enemy appears and he sounds the alarm, the city is awakened and the enemy is withheld. But if the watchman does not stay awake and give the warning, the blood of the people is on his hands. And the preacher who does not preach the gospel and warn men to flee from the wrath to go, of, of God has the blood of souls on his hands. The apostle Paul talked about preachers who tickle ears and are men-pleasers, telling them the smooth things that they want to hear. Or as Jeremiah said, peace, peace when there's no peace, and telling men they're right with God when they're on the road to hell. Soul murder is a terrible thing. I had a family relation when I was a new Christian. I tried to witness to her a number of times. She was very ill, elderly, and near death. And I challenged the minister to whom she had gone for years to his church. I said, sir, have you ever told her that she needs to be born again? Wouldn't answer me. Wouldn't answer me. I talked to my brother-in-law just about two years ago. He goes to a Presbyterian church every Sunday morning. It's a very popular church, well attended. And I asked him, do you ever hear a sermon on you need to be born again? And he said, what is that? I've always wondered what that is, being born again. I say that such preachers have the blood of souls on their hands and become, in that sense, murderers of souls. Thou shalt not kill applies to the soul perhaps more than to the body. We would say to someone, yea, deny the body that you might save your soul. If your body perishes, so what? But your soul needs to be saved. And then parents can murder the souls of their children by misguiding them. Children, of course, are little imitators. They want to be like daddy, and they want to be like mommy, and they want to grow up and do the same things. And if your life is the life of the world and the life of ungodliness, that's what they're going to learn. And you're going to teach them the way of sin and the way of destruction. Christians can be guilty of soul murder by being a bad example in the world. I read just recently of a young man who grew up in a, a very godly church, a church where everything was conservative and traditional, and, and the Word of God was feared, and the gospel was preached. And this young man rejoiced in these things in his youth. But when he left school and he went into the work world, he was working with one of the leading men in the church. And then he learned of the double standards and the malpractices that was going on involving that leader in the church. And he could no longer sit alongside that man and worship. He left the church. He was turned away. I can't vouch for the end of his soul, but that was an awful stumbling block for him. And we, by our worldly, ungodly living, cannot afford to be murdering someone's soul. We need to be, as Paul put it, circumspect in our walk. And that word circumspect means as the cat 
You know, the way the cat walks on the wall or through the dirt, and it comes out the other side just as clean. It's careful in its walk. We need to do that, lest we be murder of soul. I come lastly to the answer to murder. Of course, the answer is, thou shalt not kill, the law. But then there's also the love of God that we can preach even to the one who is a murderer. And we can go down to death row, to the prison cell of that poor person who has taken someone's life and now can't live with himself anymore, and to the point where there's no hope for him anymore. Can we say to him, there's any hope and salvation for a murderer? Well, through the gospel, praise God, there is. And we know that on the cross, our Lord Jesus, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus prayed for the very people who put him on the cross. And the love of God and the love of Christ goes beyond murder. Stephen, when he was being stoned, he said, lay not this sin to their charge. And we believe that Saul of Tarsus, who was holding the coat of someone casting the stones to kill Stephen, and thereby Saul of Tarsus was Im implicated in the death of Stephen, didn't actually throw the stone, but he held the coat of the person who did, that Saul of Tarsus' conversion was an answer to Stephen's prayer. Lay not this sin to their charge. And we know that Saul of Tarsus, Paul of the Apostle, was marvelously and wonderfully converted, the chief of sinners, converted and saved. We know that David, King David, guilty of murder, premeditated murder, sent a letter to have him murdered, planned and schemed the murder of Uriah, that he found peace with God through the blood. Psalm 51 is, wash me, purge me, and I shall be clean. Create a right spirit within me. What's the answer to murder? Well, the law of God, first of all, to stop it in the first place, but to cleanse us from its guilt. And that blood of man that cries out to God for justice, that cry is canceled by the blood of Jesus. And as it tells us in Hebrews, speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried out, justice must be done. The blood of Jesus speaks mercy even to the guilty, hell-bound soul that needs peace with God. Is there any of us here today that is not free from the guilt of murder? Have we not had murderous thoughts, anger, scheming, plotting of mind, for the downfall of someone. Do we not all need the cleansing power of Jesus' blood? Do we not need to be washed and cleansed from these things? I read a story of uh, Clyde Thompson. He ended up dying of a heart attack in 1979, but his life story had been recorded by a journalist. And he had murdered eight men, went to the hard farm labor camps in the southern U.S. He was there for over 28 years. His father had been a preacher. One day his father came to visit him, and he said, take that Bible. I don't want it. But in the mercy of God, he became a Christian, got saved. And within that prison system, he witnessed. And after he was released, 
He had a ministry to meet inmates on the day of their release, befriend them, help them find a job and get reestablished, but also to give them the gospel. Is this gospel fit for murderers? It is. It is. Here's the answer to murder. And the awful statistics in our society, the gospel is the answer. Whether it's the young woman who has just taken the life of her own womb, and she can't live with herself anymore, how do you give her hope? Give her the gospel. Tell her what Christ has done and the cleansing power of the blood. Or that young person who has committed such a crime he never thought he would have committed, maybe taken the life of his own mother or father. Can we go to that condemned soul and say to him, look, you've done wrong. You're under God's judgment, but God has a way of mercy. You can be saved. You might be on death row, and you may only have days to live, but in the eleventh hour, you can be saved. This is the, the power of the gospel. And this is why the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. If we don't say that murder is wrong, if we don't say that God will judge it, if we don't say that it will destroy you, will they ever seek the help, the hope that's in the gospel? The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Paul said that he was the greatest of sinners, the chief of sinners. He never got over what he had done to those early Christians. He was ashamed all his days of what he had done to early Christians. He was guilty of their blood. But praise God, he was saved from it. And he had absolute certainty of heaven and assurance of sins forgiven. You can have that too. There's power in the blood of Jesus to wash away your sin, make you right with God. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I hope that you've been encouraged today. We ended there on the note on seatbelts, but the whole commandment is, Thou shalt not kill. And life is sacred. That's the message that we get from all of the Bible. The Lord is the one that giveth, and the Lord taketh away. That sacredness of life is to be preserved. And in light of the recent uh, judgments of the Supreme Court that our government is to enact laws that will allow assisted suicide in this country, not only from the terminally ill, but from those that are psychologically uh, affected and those who feel that perhaps life is not worth living. Our Supreme Court has gone to extreme measures, and we need to pray that God will turn our government to resist this. It is contrary to the law of God. This is Ian Gallagher. Stay tuned now for our final message. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. Call me, please, at 604 897 2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey. 
at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.